All right, for the many who are joining us online and those in the room, it's the beginning of November. We just wrapped up uh, the season. How many of you appreciated the extra hour of light this morning? Uh, many watch these services after the fact. This is our first Sunday after the, the time change. And we're, we're gonna supplement our sermon series on the book of Acts in the month of November. So if you've been with us for the last two months, we've been studying the unfolding of the work of God through the Holy Spirit, through the early church, as it's recorded in the book of Acts. And what we're gonna do in the month of November is we're gonna take a little sidestep to supplement that and to take a look at a letter that was written to followers of Jesus, who that letter is referred to as the letter to the Colossians. And we're gonna see what happens when the Spirit of God begins to shape our lives, and even more so, what happens when the Spirit of God begins to pair together certain things in our lives. Now, this week, how many of you, just a show of hands, were uh, displaced from the fires that happened? Just put your hands up really high. Yeah, so significant. We had, I, I see about maybe half a dozen in the room. I, I love the generosity of our church family. I understand that about 40 households offered their homes to be spaces for evacuees to come and visit, and through prayer, through presence, through your generosity, we were able to navigate through this. And in the midst of all that, our campus was closed for a number of days, and we actually, as a staff, among many things that we did this week, we actually, we had to make a decision on Tuesday whether or not to have a, a staff appreciation day that we had planned for a number of months. And so we ended up deciding to go forward with it. I'm, I'm really glad we did because actually it was there. It was in that experience that it gave me the illustration for the sermon. Uh, and, you know, as a preacher, I need those. And I believe the Spirit of God worked powerfully uh, through our time in Santa Monica at the Gourmandise School of, uh, of Cooking. How many of you have heard of the Gourmandise School in Santa Monica? Put your hands up. Now, Sabrina, that's not a paid advertisement for you. Uh, she's an elder in our church. She owns uh, that, that cooking school. It's so phenomenal. And we made the decision in the midst of the, you know, freeways being clogged, we decided we've got to bless our staff through the generosity of Sabrina. Uh, we had this great time planned. And so some of us, we drove two and a half hours just to make it to Santa Monica. And it was so worth it because while we were there, we learned how to make pasta from scratch. And... Uh, it was, I asked this question in the nine o'clock and it teed up the sermon so perfectly, so I'll, I'll ask you. you know, I don't know if you know, there's, there's two ingredients for pasta, just two, that when paired together actually intensify and make just glorious those ingredients that separate wouldn't be as glorious. Uh, and it, it's flour and? Oh, interesting. A lot more chefs in the 11 a.m. than the 9 a.m. <laughs> Because in the 9 a.m., the whole room was like, water! Which doesn't make pasta, it makes paste. <laughs> Flour and eggs make pasta. One letter difference. Paste and pasta. <laughs> when given the choice between the two, I imagine you would prefer pasta, I assume, yeah. Uh, and yet, how interesting, just, just throwing off just one ingredient, not doing eggs and putting water instead, makes all the difference in the world. And so we were actually able to pair flour and eggs to make pasta. We made raviolis, uh, we made bow tie pasta, uh, butternut squash, 
pesto, so oh, I'm just getting hungry. It was just amazing. It was absolutely amazing. You know this, I don't have to tell you, but when you pair certain ingredients together, it, it enhances the flavor in such profound ways. But it's not just the flavor. Listen to this. I did some research this week, and again, this is just setting up the text that we have before us today and helping get our minds in a place where we can see how the Spirit of God wants to pair certain things in our lives. Listen to this. Uh, did you know that the vitamin D from salmon, I just went there, the vitamin D from salmon helps the body better absorb the calcium in yogurt. So if you pair salmon and yogurt together, you have more health benefits. The pairing enhances it. Uh, did you know that the sulforaphane in cauliflower actually can make the selenium in Brazil nuts 13 times more powerful at attacking cancer? Anybody, did any of you know that? This morning, you, you knew that? I love that, yeah, Craig, you didn't know that. Uh, so, so, pair, so, you know, you pair cauliflower and Brazil nuts. It, it likely can be 13 times more powerful at combating cancer. Did you know that the lutein in leafy lettuce is better absorbed when eaten with the monounsaturated fat in avocados, thereby reducing the risk of macular degeneration and cataracts? So add avocado to your salads. Did you know that if you squeeze uh, lemon juice into tea, that it can be up to five times more effective at absorbing the, the, the healing properties that are in tea. This is God's creation. And in the beautiful design of what God has spoken into existence, there's something about the created order that when we understand, when paired together, actually enhances our health. And that's just the health benefits. Let's talk about the flavor benefits. Sorry, so I, I, I want to hear from some of you. I, I want to hear from some of you. Again, we're, we're just setting up the sermon on what the Holy Spirit can pair in our lives. But I want you to think about what are some of your favorite pairings? It was interesting in the 9 o'clock. Uh, and I want to hear from you in the 11 o'clock. What are some of your favorite pairings? So rather than shout it out all at once and just have this soup of sound, uh, why don't you just put your hand up and I'll, you know, I'll point to you and you just shout it out. So what's, your, what's one of your favorite pairings? This is the food for flavor. Oh, blueberries and walnuts will help you with dementia. I did not know that. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Grapes and cheese. Can I get an amen? Anybody? Oh, my gosh. Yes, in the back there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I will come over to your house this afternoon. You can have that. Yeah, really loud? Apples and peanut butter. Apples and peanut butter. Uh-uh-uh. Yes, there's a hand over here. Dave, yeah? Chocolate and peanut butter. Chocolate and peanut butter. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, over there? Chocolate fudge and vanilla ice cream. Come on now. This church knows how to eat. Okay. Uh, maybe two more, two more. Yes, over there, Matt? Wine and pretty much anything. You know, the nine o'clock, it was, it was sushi and sake. Um, okay, John, did you, were you, were you going to say the same thing? John was going to say the same thing, okay. Uh, yes, right over there. Watermelon and salt, come on now, that's so good. So how fascinating, okay, so we're understanding. So when paired together, these flavors can become intensified. They can be enhanced. It enhances our joy, it enhances the experience. And that's not just true of food, it's also true of colors. When you pair colors together, it enhances things. When you pair different musical notes together, it enhances and intensifies the harmony. 
But also it's true when you pair certain qualities together in life, it can intensify them as well. And during this four-week sermon series, again, it's simply a supplement to the book of Acts. I want us to, to see in Scripture what the Holy Spirit wants to pair in our lives so that those things would become intensified. And in the four weeks, we're going to see how the Holy Spirit can pair four different things with gratitude. We're in the season of gratitude. We're in the month of November. Uh, perhaps the most famous meal in America is coming up in the end of November, so we've got food on our mind. Uh, and yet, I want us to see how, specifically today, how the Holy Spirit wants to pair patience and gratitude together in such a significant way that not only would our spiritual lives, our emotional lives, our relationships, not only would they be enhanced and that there would be health in them, but, but even more so that it would be so intensified that, that patience would flow out of our life and gratitude would flow out of our life in such a powerful way that it would be a stronger taste than anything else around us that it would be the dominant flavor wherever we go, that we wouldn't allow fear to become more powerful, anxiety to be more powerful, uh, bitterness to be more powerful, but rather it would be patience and gratitude through the Holy Spirit's pairing in our lives that it would be so significant it would transform our lives, our relationships, and the world around us. You ready? Okay. Two of you are ready. Let's go. (laughs) Colossians 1. Verses 11 through 14. Uh, If you don't have your Bibles, it's on page 956 in your pew Bible. I'm going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Again, this is the unfolding story of the early church. In the spring, we're going to get to the moment in which this letter was written. Many scholars believe that this was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in jail, while he didn't have freedom to move about like we have freedom to move about, and that the Holy Spirit, through Paul, wrote these words not just for the followers of Jesus in Colossae, but for us today in Los Angeles and around the world. And let me read this prayer, beginning in verse 11 all the way through verse 14. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This, my friends, is the reading of God's word. All right, so this is a prayer that Paul is writing, that he's not just writing, but he is praying. This prayer actually begins in verse 10 right before it, and it's so significant, it's so powerful, because the the verbs that are used in this prayer make all the difference between paste and pasta. And if we get one ingredient out of whack, we end up with paste. If we misunderstand the verbs in this section, we've got Paste-level patience, paste-level gratitude, paste-level joy, paste-level endurance. Nasty. You can't stuff anything in paste and have it be good. 
You see, the verbs in this section have everything to do with God's action, not our action. You see, we live in a world right now that tells us, you, you need to be strong, you need to have endurance, you need to have joy, you need to give thanks. You've got to do it. You've got to just pull yourself up. And perhaps some people, they think the Christian life, maybe some of you here today, you read scripture, maybe you even see this, and you say, no, no, that's what it says. It says, I'm supposed to be strong. It says, I'm supposed to have patience. It says, I'm supposed to have endurance. I'm supposed to have joy. I'm supposed to give thanks. Just a lot of work. The amount of pastoral counseling that we do often interacts with this, this false belief that the Christian life is just about doing things for God to measure up to God's love, to receive God's power, to receive God's grace. But the verbs in the Greek language, which is the language of the New Testament, and I'm going to walk through with you, reveal to us that this is something that God wants to do in you and through you. Take a look in verse 11. May you be strong. That's not what it says. Does it say that? May you be strong? No. It says, may you be made strong. Some translations say, may you be strengthened. The Greek language, again, the language of the New Testament, that is a passive verb. What that means is that you, the subject, are receiving the action of that verb. So the prayer that Paul is praying to Christians everywhere is, may you simply receive a power and a strength that doesn't come from within you. It doesn't come from mastering some technique. It doesn't come from just centering yourself or meditating enough or getting principles mastered in your life. No, this is a strength that God wants to fill you with and shower into you. May you be made strong. May you be strengthened. Well, with what kind of strength? Is this temporary strength? Is this uh, limited strength? Look what Paul says, verse 11. May you be made strong with all the strength, not just some of the strength, not just a fraction, not just most, with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. We can't wrap our minds around the glorious power of God, the God that created all things through the power of God's word. We can't wrap our mind around the, the power that comes from God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit. And yet the book of Romans says that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave now dwells and lives in you. And what's so fascinating is that the delivery method of the power of God is through the Holy Spirit. The delivery method of the power of God doesn't come through our deeds, our actions, our faithfulness, our endurance, our joy, our patience. No, the delivery method for the power of God, the fullness of that comes through the Holy Spirit. And so this prayer that Paul is praying, he says, may you be filled with the power of the Spirit, the power of God, the fullness of it, and so that out of the overflow of that, there might be fruit. You see, take a look. Right here, in verse 11, it says, may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully. Let's pause right there. Now, it's easy to turn those words into verbs or turn those into adjectives. And this is the tough thing, frankly, when we translate the, the Greek language into, whether it's German, Spanish, uh, you know, French, English, there's decisions the interpreters have to make. Do we translate it word for word or thought for thought? And when you actually translate it word for word, 
rather than what's done here, it sounds like this. Being strengthened with all power, according to God's glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. In the Greek language, there's one verb. It's an action of God and three nouns. The action is you being strengthened with all the power that comes from the glorious power of God, and the nouns are endurance and patience and joy. You might be saying, I didn't come to church for like an English grammar. What, 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 what is this? This, this, this? this is the difference between pasta and paste. You see, in the New Revised Standard Version, it gives this sense. Joyfully giving thanks sounds like an adjective to giving thanks. It's a type of giving thanks. No, in the Greek language, it is a noun. Being prepared to have endurance sounds like something that we've got to do. No, it is a noun. Patience sounds like something we're supposed to do. No, it is a noun. Let me be crystal clear with you. Those three nouns are summed up in the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, it's the fruit singular of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, which Galatians 5.22 you can read about. Is it 5.22 or 6.22? 5.22? 6.22? Five, thank you. Paste and pasta, huge difference. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit. When the Spirit of God comes in your life through faith in Jesus Christ, you've now received the power that raises Jesus from the grave. Now that same Spirit wants to bear fruit singular that has many aspects to that singular fruit that's different than the gifts, plural, of the Holy Spirit. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is something that flows out of our life when we give freedom and we give space for the Holy Spirit to have the Holy Spirit's way in our life. And it's love, and it's patience, and it's joy. Many other things, but that word patience is the word macrothumia. Can I hear you say macrothumia? Somebody after the first service says, I'm just so tired of you saying all those Greek words. Well, I'm going to say it again. Macrothumia. (laughs) Come on, like, what are you talking about? Macrothumia. What's so fascinating, we translate this in the word patience, but it's so much more profound, so much more significant, it's so much more spirit-enabled than just having a quality of patience or a personality of patience. Macrothumia is two words crammed together. Thumia is passion or temperament. Macro is large, long. Put together, it's long-tempered. It's the opposite of short-tempered. Paired together, it gives the image of, of having temperance rather than being temperamental. This fruit of the Spirit only comes through a vibrant, rich relationship with Jesus Christ where the Spirit of God can begin to bear that fruit in your life. And so what... Paul is praying to the church. He's saying, here's what uh, is my prayer for you. May you receive the strength. May you receive the power that comes through the Spirit of God in your life. And may, may it bear fruit that looks like endurance and patience and joy. May it fill you so much so that the only action that you have to do 
is give thanks. Because of all the verbs in this prayer, there's only one verb that is a verb that we have to do. And it's the first two words in verse 12. Take a look. In verse 12, it's the only active verb. Every other verb has to do with God's activity in our life, God's activity in and through us when we are open, when we put ourselves in a position to allow that to happen. But that only active verb that we are called to do, our action, what are those first two words in verse 12? Give thanks. Out of the overflow of the strength of God in your life, out of the overflow of the patience that comes, the endurance that comes, the joy that comes as a fruit of the Spirit, thanks comes forth. So if patience is a fruit of the Spirit, then gratitude is simply savoring that fruit. You see how different that is? A human-generated pairing of patience and gratitude simply says, well, I've got to become a more patient person, and I've got to be a person that has more gratitude. When you pair those two things together, it is like flour and water, and you have a paste-shaped life. But when it's the Spirit of God that bears the fruit of endurance and long-suffering and joy and patience and long-temperedness in your life, regardless of what happens, regardless of your situation, Regardless of your job status, relationship status, health status, regardless of where you are in relationship to other people, there is a thing, there is a work that God wants to do in you and through you through the power of the Spirit and that fruit as it comes forth and you taste it and you chew on it and you savor it, gratitude is the result. Now here's what's fascinating. Paul goes on. He says this. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you. Again, that's a verb. It's a passive verb. This is a work that God is doing that we would receive. He has enabled you, and this is past tense. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Paul goes on. He has rescued us. This is the work of God that we receive. This is all in the past tense. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us, this is work that God does, past tense, he has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. Again, that's past tense, the forgiveness of sins. Here's what Paul's saying. Church, followers of Jesus, the moment you said yes to Jesus, a glorious power rushed into your life. And that glorious power wants to bear fruit. That power wants to lead you and guide you and heal you and transform you more and more in the image of Christ. And one of the things that that power has done, past tense, is deliver you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That power has already redeemed you, has already brought you into the kingdom of the Son of God. And you are living in the in-between place from the moment that became true and the fullness of when that is going to be fully realized. And the prayer is, is that you would live in that tension between the beginning and the fullness of it, the already and not yet, And that that strength that has started, that will come to completion, Philippians 1.6 says, 
will give you such a strength, such a patience, such an endurance, such a joy that everybody around you, the only thing that they'll be able to taste and see and experience is the overwhelming pairing of the Spirit of God's patience and gratitude in your life. It's not subtle, it's intense. You see, subtle patience and subtle gratitude can get masked by a lot of other flavors in life. I've got a personality for patience. I've got a personality for gratitude. But when I get on the 405, <laughs> I turn, frankly, into a different person until the, it's the, unless it's the Spirit of God. There's certain things where my patience and my gratitude has limits, where other things can begin to overwhelm it, can become more dominant. Maybe there's things in your life where you're only patient up to a certain amount, or you're only patient in certain situations, or you're only grateful for certain things. When it's the Spirit of God paired patience and gratitude, it is limitless. There's no limit to your patience, no limit to your gratitude. It enables you to forgive. It enables you to have joy come out, endurance come out, gratitude to come out, thankfulness. I already said that. Every, it just it comes out of your life. But when we have limits, when it's human-generated or a personality-driven of patience or gratitude, worry comes out, fear comes out, bitterness comes out, unforgiveness comes out. You know the limits to patience in your life. You know the limits to gratitude in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to begin to heal that and save you from that today. To move you beyond a limited experience of patience, a limited experience of gratitude. It's an openness. It's a cultivating of a relationship with God in Christ it's opening up God's word. It, it, it's, it's praying, Spirit, fill me. Spirit, help me understand that I am already the king's kid. Spirit, help me see that I have an identity that can't be shaken. Spirit, help me to see that I have a purpose that will never be thwarted. Spirit, help me see that I have an inheritance that can't be taken away from me. Spirit, God, reveal these things to me. Because when I have a view of the promises that you've made and I have a view of what is to come, I can live in this space between the past and the future and both of those things which are certain inform the present. You see, outside of God, all we have is the past informing the present. But with God who is outside of time, God says, this is what I've done, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm going to do. Did you know that in the Hebrew language, the word remember isn't just for the past tense, the word remember has to do with remembering the future as well. So when we believe the promises of God, it's not just what God has said in the past, it's what God is going to do in the future. And God says, I'm never gonna leave you nor forsake you because outside of time, I never did. I'm going to heal you in the fullness, in the presence of God, in the new heavens and new earth, because here I am, outside of time, God says, with you and you're healed. You see, when you can begin to open yourself up to the fact that God outside of time has finished it, has completed it, and now here on earth, we get to usher in the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. 
that we get to experience now, not just after we die, by and by, but now. We get to experience the first fruits, the foretaste of the fullness of what it means to be completely redeemed with the fullness of an inheritance, with the fullness of redemption, the fullness of being brought together as one. I'm hungry for that. I'm craving more than paste. I want the Spirit of God to grow these things in my life so that they are boundless, so that they are limitless, so that the pairing that comes together, as paraphrased, is a fresh aroma to the world around us, it says in Corinthians. Do you long for that? Do you hunger for that? Do you want the Spirit of God to grow patience and gratitude in your life in such a significant way that it is boundless, that it is vibrant, that it is intense? You see, once you get a taste, you can't go back. And the more the Spirit of God has reign and rule in your life for the kingdom of God to be experienced here in your life as it is in heaven, the more you begin to experience patience in situations where formerly you were impatient and gratitude in situations where you're formerly ungrateful, you hunger for that more. You spend more time in prayer. Spirit, fill me. You spend more time reflecting and remembering what God has done and will do. I made okay pasta on Tuesday. It was edible. But I know if I devoted my life to it, it's going to get better and better and better. I'm not changing the ingredients. There just becomes a vibrancy, a a richness to it. I wonder if for me, 19 years into following Jesus, I wonder if one day I will look back on this moment and say, that was kind of okay following Jesus. That was kind of okay, Spirit of God having reign and rule and freedom in my life. But I've devoted my life since then to allowing the Spirit of God in such a powerful, magnificent, glorious way to flow freely through my life that, wow, now, 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 there's no limits to what God wants to do in through you. In me, in you, and in this church. Hunger for it, long for it, pray for it. And we get to do that right now. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward by the organ under the cross. We're going to respond in musical worship, but I want to pray for you right now in this moment. And if you have need of hope, of healing, to confess, there's areas of your life where you need the Spirit of God to intensify your gratitude or your patience, come forward. Don't miss this opportunity. And after I'm done praying, let's stand as we worship our King, but let me pray for you. Loving God, we thank you that you have begun a good work, that you will carry on to completion. Jesus, it is the power of your love, it is your resurrection power that you now have unleashed on this planet through your church. And so, Spirit of God, I pray that you would strengthen Bel Air Church and those here that you would strengthen them with all endurance, with all joy, with all patience, that it would be your glorious power, your glorious might 
a power that fills them, that would enable them to do what only, God, you have called them to do. May we not settle for subtle patience or subtle gratitude. May we long and hunger for intense patience, intense gratitude in our lives. Spirit, break out in our thoughts, in our choices, in our lives, in this church. We confess our brokenness to you. We confess our sin to you, knowing that, Jesus, you have paid it all. And then as we confess, we create more room for your spirit, God, to move freely in our lives. We thank you that you inhabit our praises as we lift our voices to you. And we say together in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, amen.